Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, the podcast where all those topics come together into one long episode by episode extended conversation. We've been talking about these issues for five years now and we still have plenty to chat about, especially during these unprecedented times, right? Never in my life have I seen the impact of our three topics, politics, on our lives, our health, our abilities to earn a living and raise our children. It's never been more clear than it is right now. We're seeing more and more cases of COVID, more families suffering with economic hardship, and more citizens feeling desperate for help. We're seeing very clearly the impact of government uh, on huge inequities in terms of healthcare and education and how people are policed. We're seeing, you know, privilege and poverty are both off the charts in the United States. And we're seeing that people desperately need help right now. We need the kind of help that must come from the top down from the government. We're waiting for a new government to begin, however, before that help will come. I am encouraged by what I'm hearing as as first 100-day plans of the Biden-Harris administration. I think we'll see a big, huge shift nationwide in how the virus is handled. It'll be taken seriously as the deadly pandemic it is, and I think we'll see a real representation of what must be done to get it under control. Um, I'm hopeful and optimistic, which are emotions I haven't... Um, associated with the current administration. I also think that with a woman in the vice presidency and a fair number of top-level cabinet positions filled by women in this administration, we're going to see some of the issues that usually get labeled as women's issues, Um, you know, the ones that get deprioritized. They're finally going to be labeled as what they are, human issues. Issues regarding prenatal care and reproductive rights and child care and education. These are not women's issues. These are human issues. Every human has to be born. These are human issues. Yes, women happen to be the ones doing the actual birthing. And you can bet if men were the ones in the delivery bed, things would no doubt be different. But they aren't. It's women who have the babies and therefore... Our rights, needs, and concerns are not as big a priority as they need to be in order to create what we want from society. With the Biden-Harris administration, however, we have women. We have representation. We'll have a Congress with more women than ever. And you can bet that they're going to bring some topics to the table. Yes, I'm crazy optimistic. And I do recognize that change happens very slowly in politics, but I feel like change is coming and it will be led by women who will finally, finally take care of things. This week, uh, there were a couple studies that came out during this pandemic that I thought you might be interested in. And they're ones that really tied together how pregnancy, parenting, and politics are connected. One was written about in the New York Times back in June, actually titled Climate Change, tied to pregnancy risks affecting black mothers most, and it's by Christopher Flavel. In this study, they looked at 32 million U.S. births and discovered that 
women who are exposed to high temperatures or air pollution are more likely to have premature underweight or stillborn babies, and that black mothers and babies are harmed at much higher rates than the general population. This is one more study that indicates that maternal health rates are much more dire for black women than other women. And we've talked about the intersection of racism and poor maternal health outcomes quite a few times on the podcast here, and I encourage you to go back and give a good listen to some of our back episodes. Another study was published just this month in The Lancet about how midwives have the potential to save lives of women and children at a scale unmatched by other health interventions. In this study, estimated um, that 67% of maternal deaths, 64% of neonatal deaths, and 65% of stillbirths could be prevented in the 88 low-income and middle-income countries where most maternal and neonatal deaths happen if universal provision of care by midwives who meet international standards and are well integrated into health systems, um, they work in multidisciplinary teams. Um, Now, this study is talking most specifically about low- and middle-income countries, but this solution has been talked about for the United States, too, because our maternal health outcomes are the worst in all developed countries in the world. What we need is an army of midwives to take over maternal health care here in the U.S., too. And many, many of our um, inequity and disparity problems would be solved. Now, we've talked a lot about that solution on the podcast too for more than five years now, and slowly, maybe we're seeing change happen. I'm a little frustrated because we were talking about another Lancet article on the power of midwifery to totally transform maternal health care back in 2014, and not enough has happened to create that transformation in these six years. We're still struggling, and we still need midwives to save us. Now, back in October of 2019, I think it's episode 178, it was titled, When Your Doctor Apologizes. And our guest was Dr. Kate McLean, who wrote about how apologizing to a patient changed her practice and her life. Well, Dr. McLean, um, we talked about that you know, back then. Um, but she's recently written another article for the Huffington Post titled, I'm a doctor and I'm failing my patients. Here's what forced me to recognize that. And in this article, she talks about the adrenaline-fueled procedures OBGYNs often do because they're trained to do them. And that may be sometimes doing more harm than good. It's an interesting read. Um, I encourage you to go find and read that article. And it concludes that obstetricians don't really belong at normal, uncomplicated births. Midwives should handle that because they're trained for it. OBs are trained for emergencies and complications. Now, that's certainly not to say that OBs can't manage normal, healthy births. They certainly can, and I've worked with many, many who do. But it's to say that that's not necessarily their area of expertise. And they're absolutely, across the board, doing more invasive procedures than they necessarily should and more than studies support. 
As Dr. McQueen points out, research shows that healthy patients who have their births with midwives, as opposed to physicians, have better birth outcomes. They have lower rates of C-sections, as well as lower rates of episiotomies, reduced risk of fetal loss before the third trimester. They report better communication with their providers and overall have a higher level of satisfaction with their birth experiences. The majority of births attended by midwives occur in hospitals with emergency assistance immediately available if needed. Studies haven't found differences in APGAR scores or admission rates to the NICU between births with midwives and births with doctors. Midwifery can also cost significantly less, and yet 90% of births in the U.S. are attended by doctors. Now, we've been talking about midwifery and C-section rates and you know how we pathologize prenatal care and labor and delivery units for the majority of healthy women having normal pregnancies. We've been talking about it for a long time now. We do it because that's the way healthcare systems work, and that's how it makes money and how it protects itself and how doctors are trained to provide care. And right now, though, we're looking at a healthcare system in the U.S. that's crumbling before our eyes because it cannot take care of all the people who need help. And we're going to have to change the way we do things in a big way. It's time to really transform healthcare. And when it comes to women's health, we really can't wait a minute longer. And that's why, you know, I'm kind of bringing it back around. I'm so happy that we will have women in the White House and Congress. Okay, I'm going to wrap up my ramble this week and shift gears for my conversation with this week's guest, Amy Hudgens. But first, let's take a fast break. Thanks, folks. We're back and ready to talk about one of my favorite topics, self-care, which I define as the things we do to invest in ourselves, what we do to prioritize ourselves. This week's guest is Amy Hudgens, founder of the Nourished Girls Project, which inspires and empowers preteen and teen girls and women to live their joy, know their strengths, dream big dreams, and fulfill their potential. I think we can all use a little more of that in our lives right now, don't you? So let's get Amy on the line. Hi, Amy. It's Jeannie. How's it going? Hi, it's going great. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks. <laughs> so, Amy, where are you? Where in the country do you live? So I live in Northern California. I'm about 45 miles north of San Francisco. Where? What? What? I live in Santa Rosa in kind of like wine country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and fire yeah. country. And yes, unfortunately, we have had a rough go the last few years. It's been, it's been a little bit, you know, intense to say the least. Well, I know that area somewhat. When I was a teenager, my my brother lived in Glen Ellen, which oh, isn't yeah. too far from Santa Rosa. And so I yeah. spent a summer there. So, of course, I think I've got history in Northern California. Of course. No, <laughs> Glen Ellen is such a quaint, just beautiful little spot. We're probably, from my house, I'd say about 20 minutes from there. Yeah. Yeah. Going to Santa Rosa was going to the big city. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, Amy, I introduced you a little bit before we got on the line today, but as always, the first hard question is, who are you and what do you do? 
yes, I love, I love this question. It's so multifaceted. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I am the founder of the Nourish Girls Project. And I can speak a little bit about that in a minute. But I'm also, you know, I've been a nutrition and wellness educator for over a decade. Um, and I'm a mom of a preteen. Um, and so, and many other things, a visionary, an author, gosh, I'm always innovating something I feel like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm many things and I'm most passionate right now about the Nourish Girls Project. Um, and I actually co-founded that project with my daughter, Nyla, who is 11 now, but she was uh, just just under 10 when we started this project. And mm-hmm. it's just been, it's been an amazing adventure um, to say the least. So yeah, I'd love to tell you more about that, but. <laughs> I definitely want to know more about that. And I love that you're doing a project with your daughter because, yeah. you know, you get them busy on these kinds of things when they're young and impressionable and it just shapes their future. It gives oh them gosh. all kinds of hope and possibilities for what they can actually do. It's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I really feel the same way. I feel that um, it's, I'm very honored to be, you know, co-creating this with my daughter. I feel like it's just such a piece of legacy work, you know, and um, the idea of the Nourish Girls Project just kind of came together with her and I wanting to create something together. And a lot of the work that I do with mothers um, over the last decade as a nutritionist has been all around making nourishment simple. And Mm -hmm. so Nyla always hears me talk about, you know, nourishment this, nourishment that, nourish this, nourish that. So she's like, you know, what can we do together? And I said, why why don't we start a project called the Nourish Girls Project? It just kind of came out. Mm -hmm. And um, she loved that. Of course, she wanted to to create something with me. So we, we, that was when the seed was kind of planted, which was in late 2018. Um, and then a couple of weeks after that, she, we draw from like an inspirational card deck every day, our family. Mm-hmm. And she was in front of the card deck and she's like, she's like, mom, what if we created a card deck for girls my age? Um, and I'm like, wow, that's such a cool idea. And, and so it began, like she, we sat down and we started painting and and using watercolors. And she, her first card that she painted with watercolors um, and a message was a girl with her hands on her hips with a crown on that said, the crown said DWJ. And the message said, I am determined with joy. Oh, determined with joy. Yeah. And the crown was like DWJ, you know, determined with joy. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. And then the second card she painted was all with an earth. And she's like, it only takes one person to change the world. Mm -hmm. And right there, I was like, oh, this is serious. Like, we're really doing this. This is this is amazing. So we had, I think it was about six art experiences with 16 different pre-adolescent girls. And we created like 108 cards with inspiring messages and and, um, and pictures painted all from the girls and um, hired a designer and she helped kind of pick, pick out 52 cards. And we made a deck 
called the Nourish Me Card Deck. That's also part of the Nourish Girls Project. And it's been such an amazing, um, it's just been such an amazing product because we've been able to give back to to an organization in Africa called um, Girls Up Initiative Uganda. And so some of our proceeds go to that organization as they help, you know, girls with education and just, you know, sanitary support and period products and just amazing, amazing stuff. So it's just been really great to, you know, I like, I asked the girls when we were creating the card deck, I'm like, what's important to you? And they're like, we want to be published. We want to be all over the world and we want to make a difference. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all of those things have happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's just been amazing. The card deck phenomenon, it's just yeah. all of a sudden on my radar. I know it's yeah. been around a while and people have been really into it, but it's just over the last year, it's come on my radar that, wow, that is a really growing industry. People yeah. and into it. Yeah. And, and, you know, normally what I've seen is that they, a lot of time the card decks will come after a book, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or after mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And we kind of went right, right for it. Cause it just seemed like it was, it was what was being called to create, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And I love it because you can use it so many different ways. I mean, we have a lot of the girls that, you know, they maybe draw one at night or in the morning for inspiration, or they give one, they mail one to their friends. I mean, or they give, give one to someone who may need support or, you know, it just helps. There's so many different ways that these messages, which I think are so powerful because they've come from these young girls, you know, every single message on there was from, you know, what was inspired in their heart, you know, Mm -hmm. when they're creating their picture or their, you know, maybe the picture came after the message Mm -hmm. or whatever. And it all really goes with the, with our mission, with the Nourish Girls Project is to really, you know, um, inspire and empower preteen and teen girls to live their joy Mm -hmm. and to be kindness activists to themselves and others and to really, you know, dream big. Because I think, and that's especially important right now with everything going on in the world, you know, it's just the time to like live your joy sometimes seems sort of silly when everything is happening that's, you know, maybe heavy in the world mm-hmm. um, for some, you know, um, and it's just been, it's been amazing to really lean into the mission of the Nourish Girls Project because it can be a moment that is a joyful thing you know it doesn't have to be like getting on the airplane or doing whatever it's just a moment yeah well we kind of backed into the description of the nourish girl project and I was going to ask you about you know some other things before that but we're here now so let's talk a little bit more about what the nourish girl project is yeah so you know we it's still it's still being unfolded you know what I mean it's like we have this our mission, you know, what I just kind of talked about with the Nourish Girls mm-hmm. Project. Mm-hmm. And we have our card deck and we have a lot of amazing partnerships that we've, you know, met people and, you know, we want to tell about them and they want to tell about us. And it's been really great. And we give back to organizations, but really something that happened quite um, amazing this summer was that my daughter said, you know, mom, I want to host a summer camp, a virtual summer camp. And I was like, okay for the Nourish Girls Project. And we're like, okay, cool. And I thought, you know, maybe there'd be like 10, 20 girls, you know, who knows. 
Well, long story short, we end up having 200 mm. girls from all over the world. There were like from Uganda and, and London and Canada and all over for one hour a day, they would come in for, you know, from Monday through Friday and we would just do all these amazing, inspiring things. And it was so profound because it was just like, we we're all, there was like connection, creating, collaborating with just like, you know, knowing anything's possible when all these girls come together. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was amazing. And um, it's really been, we've continued to do some camp experiences after that um, because the girls just, they loved being connected from all over the world, you know, and there was this ripple effect that kind of happened with, I was getting emails from the moms, the grownups saying, wow, my daughter is one of them was like starting a business, this little business on the side. One of them was starting to read these novels. The like moms were starting to do things that were, that they had been wanting to do that they had maybe not felt their creativeness come out for a while. And it was just like rippling through the houses in different ways. So is that what the nourished girl part is about? Nourishing creativity? Yeah, I think it's, I think it absolutely is. I think it's, you know, I know that it's nourishing creativity. It's also, um, a lot of what we see too is like these girls who are like world changers, you know, who really mm-hmm. are wanting to make a difference. And that doesn't mean that it's like the loudest girl or the one that's doing the most. It's just like kind of what's inspiring you and going for it. Yeah. You know, and li- yeah. that's where that living the joy piece comes from. Um, and it's just been, it's still, you know, it's still being created right now. There's so many things that, you know, of course we want to do with it. And we just are having the best time right now, just connecting with girls all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. As you, as your daughter gets older, you can, you know, she can explore some of the high school experiences like Girl Up. Oh yeah. uh, Totally. that That really takes girls a long way. It's great. It's so amazing. I know it's like all these different stages, you know, and I'm seeing that they change. Like it's so, it's so different from when she like did the card deck and her friends did the card deck at eight to 10. And now they're like 11 and 12 and a little older. And you're like, wow, everything's changed so much since then. (laughs) Oh yeah. And it keeps happening. It keeps happening. They just keep changing minute by minute, day by day. It's a transformation. They have to go from children to being women. And there's a lot of work there. Exactly. No. And that's, and speaking of that, that is what has been very interesting because I've got the privilege, you know, from the summer camp and from a lot of the attendees, um, so many of the mothers were reaching out to me asking about puberty periods and, and prep and stuff. And so that's why I started, you know, I've been starting to do a lot of that work and research around puberty and periods and the ch- they're changing everything was from the desire from a lot of the moms that were reaching out to me saying, oh my gosh, so much is happening. They're changing so fast. What do I do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's really I interesting. <laughs> <laughs> really yeah. like, wow, yes, they are. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. It's amazing. And when girls really get the information that they need about what's yeah. happening to their bodies, they just absorb it. 
and they have a better understanding and acceptance of all the physical and emotional changes that happen. It's ownership. It's exactly, exactly. No, I love that. That's exactly true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have worked with girls and women at many stages of their lives throughout your career as a nutritionist and wellness coach. And I'm wondering what are the essentials that all women need to know about nutrition and wellness? I think the the thing that comes to mind that is oftentimes overlooked because a lot of, you know, I work with moms, I work with families, I work with preteens. It's like, you know, what do I need to eat? What do I need to do? And yes, that's important. And I can totally talk about that. But it's almost like, how can you make sure that you're sustainable, you know, and that your energy bank is full and that you are living your joy a little bit? And that is a lot of my work with um, with girls and with moms is really about just, yes, it's good to eat organic and, you know, to there's certain foods for your livers and, you know, and your gut and your brain and, you know, all of that and to be nourished in that way, um, you know, no processed foods or a little bit, not that much processed foods and sugar and all that stuff. I mean, come on, I got it. You know, I I like just some peanut butter cups, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm not, (laughs) I'm not, I'm, what are you going to do? I'm pro dessert. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I'm the nutritionist that's pro dessert, but I, I just feel like so often, you know, I'll work with a lot of mothers and we'll get through all that. And then I'm like, so what's inspiring you or what, you know, where, where is, you know, and it's just like, I feel like there's more to be nourished than just the food. And I yeah. think that that's what I am seeing with working with so many girls now and also with the mothers. And mm-hmm. it's not coming from a place of like one more thing to do or shaming if there isn't any joy or anything like that. It's more about what are you inspired by? And sometimes right now it's like nothing. I have, I have little energy, you know, there's not a lot, there's a lot going on right now. Mm -hmm. And I hear that a lot too, but it's like, almost like there's something that you can tap into. And so I think a lot of my work is around, um, like being sustainable and like being in the energy you wish to create kind of, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. I also think that for a lot of um for a lot of women who are raising kids, yeah, that is their creative inspiration. Like, you know, they do their work, their work day, whatever that is, and then their the rest of their being is pretty much focused on their children. Yes. And, you know, especially right now where we're working from home, we're schooling from home, we're, you know, uh, so much is going on that is mother centric. Yes. Um, yeah, that can be just about all of it. But then the thing is, is that kid changes every single minute and every day they are growing a little bit further away from you, yeah. which is our job as their parents to, you know, foster their independence as much as that sucks. But that is the reality. So it if is. all that you are putting into your creative nourishment is for your children, that goes away. Yes. You've got to have something for you. That is a hundred percent true. I love that you're saying that it's, it's, 
it's so, it's so right. And it doesn't, and there's, you know, you understand there's seasons, there's time for things just cause you know, you know, you can have all these creative ideas. Maybe right now isn't the time, you know, to make these things happen or whatever. But I think it's just even opening up that conversation with mothers mm-hmm. um, has been really powerful in my work, you know, and I feel like, like I've been known for years as like the person who's like nourishment made simple, you know, like mm-hmm. when I wrote a cookbook or when I've worked with busy moms, when I did stuff with um, preschool programs, you know, I developed this program called rainbow greens where I would go in and teach to preschoolers and their parents. But it was kind of like, you know, I could talk about the meal prepping and I could talk about, you know, soaking your grains and, you know, all the things, you know, and at the end of the day though, there was like this piece that I always felt like was kind of missing, you know, and it was kind of like really around that, like one, the sustainable, like how can you kind of keep your energy tank or bank, you know, a little bit more mm-hmm. full first, mm-hmm. put yourself first, you know, like they say, put the air, ma- air mask on first, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And dipping into a little bit of that joy in a simple way that kind of doesn't feel like one more thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be time consuming and it doesn't no. have to be starting a whole new hobby or, you know, being a master oil painter or, right. you know, being the next contestant on Great British Bake Off, it just means give yourself a little time, right? Exactly. 100%. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And play. And play. And, play. and more yeah. laughter. Like I, I talked to, I I had a client the other day that was just, it was so interesting because I'm like listening to everything and I'm reflecting and I'm just like, when's the last time you had a really good laugh? You know what I mean? Or was like the silliness, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like with all the to do's and all the things in the days, you know, we're juggling just such different things now, you know, like you said, this homeschooling and the working from home and all of that, it's kind of like, you know, we got to get that funny movie on, or even if it's not even a mm-hmm. movie, just something that's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of release, you know what I yeah. mean? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. So I work with a lot of writers and um, it's almost inevitable that at some point in the process of writing their manuscripts, they get to that point where they don't really want to work on that book anymore. They've got 10,000 other ideas and they want to go off on these tangents and do, but I got this idea and I got this idea and I got this idea. And all of that is great. And it comes from the same creative energy source, but it is distracting to the point where, yeah, that means you're not going to get your actual book written. So I recommend that they take all of these brilliant ideas, which are coming to them for a darn good reason and um, write it down in an idea log. Yes. So that later, so that, you know, they keep it, they've got that idea, they've tagged it to a spot by writing it down. And then later, when the book is written, or, you know, the child is asleep, or, you know, whatever, you get that moment, you can look in there and say, Oh, yeah, that was such a good idea. Oh, I'm my gosh, that I one. love that. Yes, they, it's so they true. Still live. They don't just dissipate, as ideas so often do, you know, Exactly. And I think, and I think I love that this idea log, because that's, that's what I say to like, write it down, you know, it doesn't have to be right now, but write it down. Because when you go reflect on it, it's going to be like, Oh, wow. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, because oftentimes we're in the busyness, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, you know, is what it is. Yeah. And if you don't have time to write it down, everybody's got their phone on them all the time. That's what the notes section is on your phone. Exactly. Just record something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, what what else do we want to talk to specifically new parents about? That's a lot of our listenership. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they've got a newborn who's sweaty on their chest and they haven't had a shower yet. And, you know, that stage where it's Oh, just, I do. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It is. I, I have a family member who has um, recently uh, added some children to her life and posted something about, is it normal at this stage that you go for days and days without a shower? And all <laughs> of these mothers chimed in and said, normal. Yep, that's right. And of course it is normal. But I was so disappointed that there wasn't anybody on there that said, why aren't you taking a shower? You have a partner. It only takes 15 minutes. You get to have time for you too. That's right. Oh my gosh. Yes, I do know. And I do know that stage well. And it's, I love that you say that too. It's like, yes, you get to take that shower for 15, 10 minutes, you know, and just be in that warm water and, you know, nourish yourself. And I think, you know, uh, I had a doula when, um, you know, I was giving birth with Nyla and then afterwards who said, you know, I want you to think of a few foods that you can eat with one hand. And I remember thinking, that's a great idea. And I like thought to myself, that's a great idea. And it's important to have those both and, and I can sit down and have a meal and eat a meal, an actual meal. You know what I mean? Like, and so, and I think, I think what I would say to the new parents out there, it's obviously have grace, you know, with yourself and be gentle, but it's like you, it is important. It is so important to not just be like self-care. What are you doing for yourself? All of that. But I mean, it just can be in those moments, like literally like enjoying that, you know, smoothie or that cup of soup or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And just really like taking a little bit of time to do that and allowing Mm -hmm. that. I think it's really important. It's imperative. And the earlier you start on that, the more important it is because you're setting up a family dynamic that says mom matters too. It's so easy, especially, you know, we live in a patriarchy. (laughs) It's so easy in the, in the early stages of parenthood that to just give yourself away and you do it little by little just giving yourself away, making everybody else the priority and both and making yourself seem like the only one who can do things correctly. What That's a so mistake. Yep, what a it mistake. Is. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's so, I, it's so powerful you brought that up because it's kind of like your non-negotiables. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I really, I talk to a lot of moms about this. It's like you matter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You really matter. And it's, it's like you said, it's setting up, you know, I don't like the word boundaries, but it's like, it's setting up the, how, how do you want to say maybe, you know, what to expect from you too. how, you know, do you know what I mean? I mean, I it's, do. you totally yeah. do. Cause you, you hit it right on the head. It's like, Hey, I'm going to sit down and have my meal. And you, and you know, if you have a partner, it's like, can have the baby for 10 minutes here. I'm going to eat my yeah. food <laughs> or let's yeah. all together. And you know what I mean? And just, 
really nourishing yourself. And I think that, like I said, with, with my work with, with moms, especially, it's like just making nourishment for yourself a priority. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're yeah. the sustainability of yourself because mm-hmm. we can give and give and give and give. And at the end of the day, it's like, there's no, there, there's just no more, you know, fuel in the tank. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that's what fuels anxiety and depression. Exactly. Yeah. And frustration yeah. and, you know, bitter, bitterness, <laughs> you know? No, totally. And I like yeah. to break it down too into simple things because a lot of the times it's like, you know, okay, then I'm going to, you know, it's like, you don't have to make the three course meal, you know what I mean? But at least start with the, you know, a nourishing snack, you know what I mean? Like, just like, it can be just very simple. And I love the one tip that um, I've shared, I shared in my cookbook, but I've I've shared with many moms. It's like, and this may be like toddlers, but it can also be when, you know, you're snacking with a newborn. It's like you get a muffin tin and just fill it up with all kinds of like little things. It could be like mm-hmm. some veggies. Sometimes it'd be some, you know, maybe a little peanut butter cups over here and some, you know, veggies and maybe some protein or whatever. And, you know, you just kind of you snack off that and you teach the kid, your, your child, you know, age dependent and all that to actually go get that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like they snack on it and you know what I mean? They, then you create a salad and they can top it. I mean, there's so many different things, but it's like all from that one system that you're setting up, you know, with yeah. this muffin tin, so to speak, or mm-hmm. the, you know, cut up stuff in a, in a, I don't know, container or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. like setting it up. So there's more ease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you think most people get their, their educations around how to take care of themselves? I some I think sometimes it's passed down through mm-hmm. you know how they were maybe raised and also mm-hmm. a lot of shoulds. I feel like it's a lot of shoulds of you know I should do this. I should I feel like we're living in the Pinterest world, you know, of like, you know, we should have this look like this or do whatever. So I think sometimes it's like social media, maybe how they were raised, the idea of what should be happening. Mm-hmm. Um is kind of how I would answer that. Yeah. 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 I agree. You know, when in reality it's, it can be really like, uh, like taking care of yourself isn't selfish. I guess I could say it's not, it's actually, we've been kind of enculturated to think that it is, you know? Oh, exactly. And as soon as women become pregnant, the focus shifts away from, them, mom, women, uh, onto what's best for the baby. And of course we all want what's best for the baby. Of course our children are incredibly important and require laser focus. I mean, of course. However, if we shifted gears and said what's best for mom comes first, well, then babies turn out great that way. Yes. As long as mom's taken care of, the kids are going to be taken care of. If mom is depleted and deprived and not nourished, um, yeah, those kids, that's who's going to be the mother. Well, and I love that you mentioned that because that's why I focus so much on, you know, 
it's not always about the food, right? So it's like, right. like I said, people come to me in my private practice or whatever talking about the food, but it's like, there's, there's so many, there's just more to that. And it's not right. the conversation of what self-care are you doing? Cause I feel like that's just like, or balance. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. It's more for me. And you know, this is, I'm just speaking on, on my kind of, you know, how I go about it. It's, it's mm-hmm. just these little pockets, you know, of how you can nourish yourself in a way that doesn't feel like I keep saying one more thing to do or hard. It can be just these simple little shifts, these simple little shifts. And I think, you know, as my daughter has grown up and how, how, how I've had conversations with her around, you know, how are you feeling? You know, how's your energy bank or tank or however you want to call it? Like, what are you needing? And she's learned that, ooh, maybe I'm needing more sleep. I stayed up a little late or I've eaten a little too much sugar. Or we have these conversations where she's being empowered to check in with herself. And so I think, and that's by me and my husband have modeled that a lot. You know what I mean? Of just kind of like, hey, we're, we're going to be taking care of ourselves because we can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting analogy because women are so often taught to be vessels. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. And it can, I, that's why I think I talked to you just about living your joy. And it's not in a way of like positivity all the time and bypassing all the feelings and everything that's happening. It's more just in that like minute or two, you know, of just shifting that energy and not going into these, you know, being overly positive. That's not what I'm saying. It's just more of like, you know, just having joy be kind of important because, you know, that joy factor, you know, and just like the laughter and the the silliness and stuff can also release these good chemicals, which, you know, you know, you're a nurse. Yeah. It's like the yeah. serotonin, the dopamine, the oxytocin, it's like can be start to be flooded out when you are, you know, kind of laughing or feeling those thoughts of inspiration or joy. And I really think that more of that is needed. You know, some of my listeners are probably thinking right now, but what, (laughs) what is a moment of joy? What is a pocket of joy? I don't do face masks. What is (laughs) self-care? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And, you know, I think it can be so individual, individual. I mean, it could literally be taking a few extra minutes eating your pudding. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or it could be, you know, just taking a couple minutes extra in your shower or, yeah, you know, shampoo and shave. Yeah. Shampoo, <laughs> shave, put a little leave in conditioner. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be these big things. And yet I do feel though, when us women, us moms kind of start to allow that to come in and expect it to come in and, and, you know, also tell people how to treat us, you know, and what to expect. Mm-hmm. That is when that stuff will start to like ideas may start to come or energy just starts to be, you know, yeah. um, back into the body and not so depleted feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. Yeah. Well, what else do you want listeners to know about your work and about the Nurse yeah. World Project and the card deck? Yeah, I well, I love our conversation. So, you know, I really do appreciate this conversation with you. And I think that I would love for them to know that, 
you know, you can visit my website, which is called thenourishedgirlsproject.com. And it tells a lot about me and my daughter and our project and the card deck. It's a great time to check out the card deck in the holiday season. Um, And also I offer a free guide right now on um, puberty periods and prep. And I know that's not for your, you know, all of your audience, but it's a great, it's for some of them, some of yeah. them have, have girls that age and they're wondering, what the heck do I do about that? Yeah. I, and that's what I was thinking too, because I'm like, you know, I have a preteen and I want to research some of this stuff to know that I would, you know, use and recommend this, these things. So I put together a, a kind of like a healthy get ready resource guide. And, you know, with, companies and people that are really for the planet and that, you know, are using sustainable things and are just like have really good energy and great. And so there's like, you know, period products and books and, you know, products and different things that are all about nourishing our girls. And so there's a free resource guide on my website. It's right on the homepage bar. It's very easy to find. And, you know, I'm always open. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit more into my wait list, but I'm definitely open to, you know, having a free call to just talk to mothers and see how I may be able to support them as well. And their, you know, and their families and their, and not just preteen girls, but I do a lot, most of my work with mothers. Yeah. Well, are you ready for our rapid fire roundup questions? Sure. They're hard ones. You got to answer right. real fast. let's go (laughs) what role does feminism play in your life oh I think it plays a I think it plays a role a big role it's like every day I feel like I am my daughter's like you're such a feminist mom I mean I I'm an advocate I'm for women for women's rights for women's health for all of that me too how would you fill in the blank nobody ever told me that no one ever told me that I would be, when I breastfed, that I would be doing it all day long. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> all day, all night. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is really all day and all night. Yeah. It's all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Last question then is, where do you stand in the world of motherhood? I stand for mothers being their authentic self. That's great. Well, Amy, this has been fun. Okay. I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast and it sounds like you and I have a lot of common interests. Yes. And I want to thank you for having me too. It's been just really nice to have this, you know, very authentic and intentional conversation around things that we're both really passionate about. Yeah, I agree. It's been great. Well, you and I will talk again some some time down the line. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Mama Bye. said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said there'll be days like this. That's it for this, this week, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. You can learn more about Amy Hudgens' work at the nourishedgirlsproject.com. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com. You can email me, jean at jeanfaulkner, Twitter at jeanfaulkner, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. 
Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.